This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to the new podcast, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. This is the very first episode, and it's tied into my new book, which is releasing January 14th, 2020, by the same title. It's my way to try to uh, interest my listeners uh, in the very, very important topics that are facing our nation right now, leading up to the election in November of 2020. I'm also running it on my Strang Report podcast, a reason being is that I have a pretty big following now, and it's going to take me a a time to build up a following for God, Trump, and the 2020 election. Podcasts that I do that have nothing to do with uh, politics or the election, I will, of course, do on the Strang Report as normal, but uh, I'm right at the uh, cusp of passing 2 million downloads in 2019. I'm very pleased about that and surprised because at this time last year, I had only had half a million downloads in the previous three and a half years. So the podcast has really taken off, thanks to you. Today, I'm going to opine about Mark Galley, the soon-to-be-retired editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, and the outrageous op-ed that he released uh, right before Christmas, the day after the House of Representatives voted articles of impeachment against President Trump. I've known Mark Galley for a long time. Of course, I've been very familiar with Christianity Today ever since I started Charisma in 1975. Um, You know, they were a big established magazine at that point, and Charisma was very, very small, and I was a 20-something newspaper reporter who had an idea to start a magazine, and over the years it's grown, and frankly, I've used Christianity Today as a model um, as Charisma grew, and this was never really our intention, but people have actually said that Charisma is sort of the Christianity Today for the Pentecostal charismatic uh, arm of the church, and now I would add conservative politically conservative evangelicals as well. Uh, Our odyssey is very, very different. I am no Billy Graham, of course, and I have never really written to the same segment um, of the church that they have, Um, but we've always been competitors. Uh, We've been friendly competitors. Uh, They've never um, criticized me, and until now I've never had occasion to criticize them. Um, I waited a week until after Mark Galley's um, op-ed appeared. Uh, First of all, I didn't expect it. I didn't uh, expect the uproar that it created. It was right before I went on a family vacation, uh, right before Christmas, of course, and also I wanted to be able to think through what I said. And today I'm going to comment on it, and I do that in my Strang Report newsletter, Um and explain these kinds of things. But this podcast, I wanted to just talk about my relationship with Christianity Today and Mark Galley himself. I've kind of seen him come up through the ranks. Uh, I don't know their organization well enough, but he was kind of like a junior editor of some kind. I had occasion to interact with him several times over the years. Um, And... uh, One time uh, when I was on the board of World Relief, which is kind of the uh, relief uh, arm of the National 
a national association of evangelicals. And um, I was on the board for four years. Uh, it was because I have a heart for the poor, and I thought what they were doing impo- was important. But as I saw the inside workings of that group and got to know the board members, many of whom became friends, but I also saw how very, very liberal they were and how liberal the National Association of Evangelicals was coming. And I learned something of the uh, politics that go on behind the scenes and really became pretty outraged at it. Never really attacked them because they're Christian brothers. They're doing uh, you know, what they think is right. Um, in a lot of ways, they're doing a good work. But it was just so liberal and uh, the, one of the main things they did was they tried to resettle uh, refugees. In fact, they, they were a part of resettling all the Somalis that uh, moved to the Twin Cities. Uh, they're the ones that gave us uh, Congresswoman Omar, you know, who is a very, very left-wing person. Now, I think helping immigrants, especially refugees, is a wonderful act of Christian kindness. But basically what they did was they took money from the government. In fact, most of their funding was from the government. Uh, Average uh, Christians basically don't uh, fund world relief. At least it didn't back uh, in the Bush administration, which was the, the time frame that I was on the board. I did my best to try to stir up interest for them. Um, I even uh, got kind of a think a group meeting, and we got people to fly in from all over to um, try to see what we could do to rally the evangelical uh, movement behind the work of world relief. And uh, I remember reaching out to Christianity Today and saying, look, charisma's behind this, you know, and you guys, literally, they're across the street in um, Carroll Stream, Illinois, which is right outside Wheaton. Uh, from the National Association of Evangelicals, and they, they have very, very strong ties. And they sent Mark Galley, and in that setting, you know, for a day or two, uh, you know, we were able to talk and, and brainstorm about world relief and uh, and about the evangelical community. I got to know Mark a little bit, um, and uh, and frankly, I was quite proud of him when he was promoted to be editor-in-chief. Over the years, I've known all the editors-in-chief. I've known uh, they, um, you know, the heads, they go by different terms. Uh, Harold Myra and Paul Robbins were the two I knew. They were in for a very, very long time. But, you know, I've been doing this for more than 40 years. I mean, you know, uh, generations have passed, and now even Mark Galley himself uh, is retiring. And um, I just tell you this to let you know my interaction with Mark. Um, I respect him as a journalist. I do not respect his opinions, but I am not going to demonize him like he has demonized all the people that don't agree with him. Uh, Leading up to the election, um, even though Christianity Today did not, uh, you know, endorse anyone, and um, I noticed in one of the articles that came out, from Timothy uh, Dalrymple, who I do not know, but he's the new president. He said that they're always apolitical. Well, yes, they are apolitical because they're 501c3. They're a nonprofit. And the famous Johnson Amendment uh, puts limits on nonprofits. 
uh, in being involved politically. Now, interestingly, Donald Trump, uh, when he learned about it, he didn't even know about it, but uh, I document this in the book, God and Donald Trump, that uh, he asked a group of ministers who were obviously very much for him to endorse him, and they all looked at the floor instead of responding, and he said, what's wrong? And somebody explained to him in a few sentences about the Johnson Amendment. Well, he'd never heard of it. You know, he didn't live in the nonprofit world. And he just said instantly, that's wrong. That needs to be changed. That's taking away free speech. And he has actually passed an executive order, which is only good as long as he's president. Uh, Congress really needs to change the law, and I believe that the White House is working with Congress to try to change the law permanently. I don't agree with it at all. I think that organizations like uh, Christianity Today uh, should be able to speak, uh, be able to speak out. But I think it's a little um, misleading to, you know, say that they're apolitical as if they chose to be apolitical and they really haven't. Uh, Charisma, on the other hand. Um, is set up as just a for-profit uh, publishing house, or now we would say media company. And uh, I do not answer to a board uh, because I'm the owner, and I have endorsed um, someone for president every single year since 1984. Um, you know, we only endorse for president, of course, because that's really the only national office. Uh, I have supported other candidates. Uh, and written about them as my way of, tr- you know, trying to get out the word about them. Uh, they were always strong Christians who were uh, running for various offices, and I could elaborate, but we don't have time, and that's not the point of this podcast or the op-ed that I wrote in response to Mark Galley's uh, op-ed. At first, I didn't really know how I wanted to respond, and I explained my schedule to you, and I just made the decision that I'd wait until after Christmas and just say uh, very, very clearly that Christianity Today does not speak for all evangelicals. Uh, The statistics show this. 81% voted for Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, there's always been, I've been aware of sort of a, left-leaning or liberal uh, arm of evangelicalism uh, who backed, frankly, they backed Obama. They are much more concerned about uh, climate change, or sometimes they call it creation care, than they are about uh, the issues of life and marriage and those kinds of things. I have wondered how, or I should say if or how, I would speak out against that and just chose to you know, let that be their deal and not deal with it anymore. You know, there's a lot of different issues in the church. Some arms of the church are very, very liberal. Uh, In fact, evangelical became a term after World War II partly to differentiate between uh, very, very uh, left-leaning Christians going all the way back to the 1920s The big magazine back then was called the Christian Century because they believed that the 20th century was the Christian Century. But they became very, very liberal. They called it the social gospel. And there were evangelicals, there were other people in the church who wanted to differentiate themselves from, and not just say Christian, because what does that mean? It can mean everything from 
uh, people who are just very nominally Christian who don't even believe the Bible, they don't believe in the virgin birth, they don't believe in the second coming, they don't believe in the miracles of Jesus. And then on the other hand, you have, um, you know, we'll call them fundamentalists, or sometimes we call them fighting fundies just because they are so strident and so strong. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't agree with those people either, although I come from a very, very conservative brand of Pentecostalism where um, you went to church every time the doors were open, revival meetings all the time, trying to evangelize the lost, no smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no makeup. I mean, this was considered normative uh, Christianity when I grew up, and times have changed. Uh, women, Pentecostal women nowadays wear makeup and, and are a little bit more mainstream, but but theologically very, very conservative. And for Pentecostals, that also includes believing in the gifts of the Spirit. And Christianity today has never um, believed that, except in a very, very general way that some of the uh, doctrinal statements will you know, acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit. But they don't believe in speaking in tongues and miracles and prophecies and all those kinds of things. They do write it oca- about it occasionally, but they've always written about it with kind of an us versus them um, kind of like we're covering these kind of strange people, frankly. Uh, I've noticed it, never said anything, really don't care. Um, Also, another thing is that, uh, you know, this has differentiated charisma over the years from Christianity today. We've also covered the black community. Uh, Pentecostalism came out of the black experience in Azusa Street around 1906. Uh, A black man named William Seymour was the leader of that movement, and uh, it was a revival that has swept the world. They say today there are 600 million Pentecostals around the world, and so the Pentecostal experience kind of comes out of the black experience. An awful lot of the black Christians are Pentecostal, um, and uh, we have covered them. We've had many, many black leaders on the cover. We write about their issues Um, I personally am very well known in the black community. Christianity today, on the other hand, is, um, well, shall we say it, uh, um, they're very white, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a white person, too. I come from the Midwest myself, but it's just a segment of Christianity that doesn't understand the black community, doesn't really care to, in my opinion, and uh, I ran into this with World Relief. World Relief had... Uh, no black board members at all, no Hispanic board members. I personally recruited a black board member and a Hispanic board member uh, because we felt that these segments of the church did not identify with World Relief or this brand of uh, evangelicalism at all. They were just like totally separate worlds. Some people use the term tribes, and that's probably a good term. There's lots of different tribes. Within the charismatic and Pentecostal community that I serve, uh, we're aware that we serve many, many tribes, and we've tried to be a bridge over the years. Now, I'm just giving a little background that I don't really go into in my op-ed, but I wanted to just explain the background. And then it comes to Donald Trump. I was not a supporter of Donald Trump initially. I supported Ted Cruz. and But I became a, aware that a lot of my charismatic preacher friends were very, very strong for 
uh, Donald Trump. And they even, some of them said that they believed that God was raising him up. Some said that they believed that he would be president. They spoke it prophetically. And that caught my attention. And they would also get together and pray for him. And they would lay their hands on him. Uh, and, the, and somebody would videotape it, um, or should I just say uh, record it, I guess videotape. I sound like Joe Biden using old terms, don't I? Um, I guess they record it with their cell phone, and somebody would put it on YouTube. And you can go to YouTube and see it. And, and they would pr- often raise their hands, as Pentecostals tend to do, and to pray uh, for wisdom and God's power and and uh, they prayed everything short of just praying that he'd be president and it surprised me because I have been over the years in many settings with evangelical leaders being invited to the White House starting with George H.W. Bush and then George W. Bush and even a meeting with uh, Barack Obama when he was running for president it was supposedly a secret meeting that was leaked about five minutes after it was over but uh, uh, Franklin Graham was there. I remember Max Licato, T.D. Jakes. Um, there were probably about 40 or 50. Most of them seemed to be for Obama. Um, I was not, but they were trying to kind of uh, persuade us that Obama was a better choice than uh, John McCain. And um, so I've been in a lot of these settings over the years. And um, generally, I was kind of on the on the edge and generally did not say much, although I, I had the opportunity to ask Barack Obama ab- about his stand on abortion. Um, I really asked the only, um, I asked it as nicely as I could, but it was really the only difficult uh, question of the day. I remember that uh, Christianity Today did have a representative there because I spoke to him afterwards. It was David Neff. I don't remember him asking any questions, not a criticism, just I'm, I'm uh, recollecting reminiscing about what happened that day. But my point in bringing this up is in all the settings I've been where there has been a president or a presidential candidate, never was there even a prayer prayed. Not so with Donald Trump. In almost all the meetings, they would pray. In fact, in one of my books, uh, Guiding Donald Trump, I tell how in 2012, he called up Paula White, uh, his friend, his longtime friend, uh, who has had an influence on him spiritually and asked her to get some of his her preacher friends who knew how to pray. And he didn't want to ask for their endorsement. He wanted them to pray if he should run in 2012. And they felt that he shouldn't. He didn't. We can only speculate if their opinion, um, you know, influenced him or not. But uh, these people got together. I documented uh, very carefully in the book. Uh, they prayed for a long time. Uh, they also uh, had some discussions with Donald Trump. And I just thought this was very, very interesting, that it was mainly Pentecostals and Charismatics who first um, warmed up to Donald Trump. The evangelical leaders, uh, many of the same people who wrote this very, very strong letter denouncing Christianity Today, but some of the same leaders uh, who I know personally or no, many of them personally, um, uh, supported uh, Ted Cruz as I did. They they came to Donald Trump later. And, you know, I documented all this and got on Donald Trump because I felt that the other books that were written and, of course, what we read in the media every day did not bring into account the spiritual aspect at all. 
and I, I felt that that is important. I personally believe that God has raised up Donald Trump. I believe that America is going in the wrong direction, and I believe that um, his presidency is at least giving us a reprieve. But part of it is, what is the alternative? The alternative was Hillary Clinton. We had lots and lots of questions about Donald Trump. You know, he had a reputation as a billionaire playboy, a TV celebrity, kind of, you know, very boisterous and sometimes crude, did things that we don't approve of at all. But when it came right down to it, he believes the issues that are important to Christians. He's become a great champion of Christians. He has delivered on his promises about judges and uh, supporting Israel and supporting religious liberty, standing strong for the life of the unborn and uh, so forth. I mean, he's even brought back Merry Christmas uh, in a manner of speaking. I mean, who would have thought? And uh, at the same time, the Democratic Party is going further and further to the left. I document this, especially in my new book, which has the same title as this podcast, God, Trump, and the 2020 election. I'm writing it 10 months before the election because it's my way to try to get evangelicals to back him. Um, now, you know, all the pundits, I've been reading everything that I came across where people have opined about it, and several people have come against it very, very strongly. Franklin Graham um, wrote a very articulate piece in which he even revealed that his father, Billy Graham, who founded Christianity Today in 1956, uh, supported Trump and actually voted for him and very strongly denounced Christianity Today, as did Jerry Fogel Jr. Uh, David Lane just did it on Charisma News. It, it actually ran the day that, the same day that I'm recording this. Um, uh, there were 200 or approximately 200 leaders that signed a very strong letter denouncing Christianity Today, and even the Christian Post, who is also our competitor, so to speak, at least online, um, uh, denounced them as well. The purpose of this podcast and of the op-ed that I wrote is not to denounce Christianity Today or Mark Galley. Like I said, I do not want to demonize them in the same way they demonize us, but to point out that we have no alternative the Democrats, any of them, are very, very, very far to the left. They are not Christian at all. And um, I'm just so saddened in a way that Mark Galley is doing this right before uh, he retires. Um, you know, and I just hope that he's not re remembered for this. He, he has done so much good. Uh, Christianity Today has, has navigated all the ch changes in the media uh, he's made a lot of improvements to the magazine. The articles are always very, very well written, the art, even the articles online. Uh, and, and online, you know, we grind them out because there's, <laughs> you know, you have to do it every day and you put so many things online. Uh, so many thousands and thousands of words go online that never appear in print. And I think Christianity Today does a very good job. They have a good team. And uh, I have no criticisms for that. It's just... Why attack Donald Trump, who's kept his promises, who supported Christians? Yes, he did things that we don't approve of. And I've been interviewed on CNN and MSNBC. They wanted me to attack Donald Trump, and this whole Stormy Daniels thing was uh, 
the rage. In fact, I, I appeared three times in the same week. They were looking for an evangelical to say, finally, he's gone too far. Well, they picked the wrong one with me. All they had, it was obvious they hadn't read God and Donald Trump. Um, and I was working on Trump aftershock at the time that all this happened. But I said, I don't approve of those things. None of us do. But I said, the whole matter of Christianity is about forgiveness. And I believe that Donald Trump has changed. I believe he, he reached out to Paula White. Uh, he watched her on Christian TV. He watched um, David Jeremiah on TV, um, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, and Jim Baker. And I've, I document this. These people have told me, uh, the Bakers and the Copelands told me, that Donald Trump said to them that he watched them and was influenced by what he saw. Now, he's not a choir boy. He's not perfect. Of course, none of us are perfect. In fact, I, told, I said on one of the interviews that every single Christian who's been forgiven by Christ has done at least one thing that they would be ashamed to have on the front pages of the newspaper. And um, I said, if Donald Trump says he's changed, we accept that. But I said, it's about his policies. And then I go through the whole thing. I document this very, very well in my book as well. If you're interested in the book, it's releasing January 14th. Of course, he's podcasting on for a long time. It's January 14th, 2020. We have a website called godtrump2020.com. It's kind of a shortened version of the title of the book. And you may want to go there. And if you're hearing this before uh, January 14th, we have uh, $90 worth of stuff that you can get if you pre-order the book. So I'll just put in a little plug. You know, I'm a publisher. Uh, we have to pay our bills, of course, but I did not write this book, nor am I doing this podcast, to just try to sell one more book. It's my way, uh, with the platform that I have, to try to influence Christians and uh, and also to speak up very boldly that you know Christianity Today is an evangelical magazine, um, and it's very well respected. It has a longer history than I do. But Charisma is the other evangelical magazine. We endorsed Donald Trump in 2016. We're endorsing him now, and I've written three books about it. And um, I'm very concerned about the Never Trumpers aspect. I really believe that it is uh, very, very serious. I talk about that a little bit more in my op-ed. I really don't have time on this podcast. Tomorrow... I'm going to talk a little bit more about Mark Galley and Never Trumpers because I interviewed him for my book, Trump Aftershock, and I just decided to do a different op-ed and a different podcast, so you'll want to tune in for that. And with that, I'll wrap up this edition of God, Trump, and the 2020 election. I thank you for listening. Help me get the word out because I want to build this up. I decided to do a new podcast because I felt that there would be a lot of people who wouldn't be drawn to the Strang Report. Maybe they don't know who Steve Strang is. Maybe they, you know, I do all kinds of other podcasts. You can go on the Charisma Podcast Network and and see my podcasts or listen to them. Hopefully you'll be interested in listening to them. But I realize they would be more drawn to a separate um, podcast that just focused on Donald Trump and just focused on the election. But as I said earlier, I am running it on the Strang Report. The way I get new listeners is because people like you will forward the link to someone who you think would be interested. So I'll wrap up this edition and invite you 
to tune in again tomorrow when I talk more about Never Trumpers and Mark Galley.